it's Sunday night. I have some white wine. I'm, I'm feeling a little loose. Haven't done much, but some chores today. Watched a little bit of ball. Played a little 2K. You know how it goes. And we're recording again. Welcome back. No bucks given. Soon to be under new titlement. As always, joining me is Nick Andre at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. How are you, brother? Sensational. Uh, my Warriors got our revenge this past Friday against Phoenix, even though we ended up getting cooked by San Antonio the night after. But it was all good. I'm doing good. Some uh, some up and down games from Steph, but it's not a bad time to be a Warriors fan. That's for damn sure. The weekend is coming to a close, and as people are getting ready to go back to work tomorrow, we have one last thing on our minds before we transition to that, and that is a smorgasbord episode of No Bucks Given, covering four topics that we just want to cover right now. Some of them are somewhat uh, relevant, some of them aren't as relevant. It's just what we want to talk about this week. There isn't anything necessitating our attention we don't think and if there's anything missing we sincerely apologize but let's dive into the first one this happened about 20 30 minutes ago there's six straight games six straight win in a row for the houston rockets who was before this stretch seemed like worse than the process sixers with their roster and they're doing it without the help of jalen green the number two pick in the 2021 draft He's out with a hamstring injury, and they've won all six games without him. I believe he got injured in the first game that they won, so he was technically a part of that win. And they're also doing it without the help of someone who hasn't played all season, former All-Star and All-NBA guard John Wall, who has recently announced that he would like to rejoin the rotation we've had some information that he's currently working to get back into game shape and that's the reason he hasn't joined the team so far but all indications are that another issue in this is that he would like to start as both his pedigree as an all-nba all-star guard and his contract would show where he's making more than 30 something million dollars a year he's on a supermax extension And Houston, obviously, with their sights toward a rebuild and their two most likely most important players on the roster at the starting guard positions are Jalen Green, the aforementioned Jalen Green, and Kevin Porter Jr., who starts the shooting guard. We can talk about the Rockets. We can talk about their 6-0 streak, but we mainly want to cover on John Wall. Right now, Dre, you want to tell me how what your thoughts on the John Wall situation are? Are you on his side? Are you on their side? Do you see the issues with it? I'm also going to talk a little bit about how Rockets Twitter is taking it, but I want to hear your thoughts first. So it's a funny situation to me because obviously coming into the season, you know, the, the reports came out stating that John Wall and the Rockets were going to look to find him a trade destination I know a lot of people, like even myself, were saying, hey, Ben Simmons for John Wall, that could possibly work. But, you know, obviously that's probably no longer going to happen. So now the Rockets are stuck with this hefty contract with John Wall. And, you know, to this date, which is December, let's say the 5th of 2021, he has not played one game yet, yet he is still getting paid. So now, you know, as you said earlier, John Wall is looking to get back into game shape and possibly looking to get back into the rotation. The Rockets somehow say no and is kind of 
kind of weird to me, you know, with a guy that's getting paid that much money that, you know, you're basically saying, no, we don't want you to play. I'm not understanding it. But it's like, you know, for me, you know, John Wall, John Wall's been gone from the game. Well, at least before last year, John Wall's been out for almost two, or I think, I want to say around two years. So you can understand as a hooper, you know, he definitely wants to get out there and definitely wants to compete. So, you know, for them, for the Rockets to just kind of say no, like, you know, no, we're not going to play you. You know, it's, it's just kind of crazy to me. And, and I mean, I get it. You know, everybody, I mean, even though the Rockets are on this current winning streak, we all know that. Like, I feel like it really helped that young team just being able to blossom and just, you know, just, just being that veteran leadership on the floor that, that they need. Yeah, I think Wall should be out there real quick. Uh, a couple of things that I pulled, some of the stuff that I looked into tonight to read for primarily David Aldridge, Hall of Famer David Aldridge wrote an article for The Athletic on this and some of the stuff I'm cherry picking from that. But you mentioned that Wall hasn't played in a lot of games in recent years. In the past four plus seasons since he signed the Supermax extension, he has played 113 games out of a possible 328 games. That's basically a third of possible games. Obviously, some of those games come this year where he has been hopefully healthy, but he has not played because of the agreement he reached with the Houston Rockets. But it's still not a great number, obviously. And if you're thinking that a buyout is possible, it's not. There have been rumors of a buyout and teams that would be interested. The Lakers were mentioned. The Sixers were mentioned. The Milwaukee Bucks were mentioned as a, des a destination. Some people even mentioned Brooklyn as a Kyrie replacement uh, for John Wall. But every single one of those situations is only in a buyout situation philly could do it if they included ben simmons however it would take a lot more from houston to make that deal for daryl morey it would have to be wall maybe one or two of their younger guys like uzman garuba who i love by the way or kj martin someone like that or some of the brooklyn picks that they have for what, what's up you think Sangoon will probably be a part of the deal as well? No, nah, I don't think they're giving up Shangoon at this point. Maybe even Wood, though. Like, Wood and Wall and, like, a pick or two might get you Ben Simmons. That's a pretty good get for Ben Simmons. A starting point guard-ish, especially if you don't have to give up Tyrese Maxey, who's been great at the point. And starting Embiid with a big dude like Wood and then be able to stagger them. Wood is more versatile offensively so it's not exactly like the al horford fit that's probably like the best two player package you could get for ben simmons at this point and that's assuming houston would even be interested although if you could get off both wood and walls contract and get a young player in return that'd be pretty cool especially one with playmaking chops when both of your stars aren't necessarily natural playmakers kpj has gotten better at it this year but he's not a natural playmaker We'll see what happens. We're expecting a, an update in a couple of weeks when he is expected to be back in game shape. I did air quotes, but you can't hear that. At that point, are they going to let him play? Are they going to let him start? Is Jalen Green going so to be was, back by then? Go so, ahead. So that's the interesting thing because I read an article earlier this week as well saying that I, – I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently John Wall would have a problem, like, you know, being a role player or, you know, trying to adjust coming off the bench because, I mean – we, I mean, we all know, especially with the Wizards, John Wall has basically been a starter his his entire career. So obviously, if he does come back to this team, you know, with you when you have young young guards like young ascending guards like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, 
with Wall being in his, I want to say early 30s, and you know, with the injury history history that he has, he's gonna have to slide to the bench. He's gonna have to be that role player. So I don't know if it's true, but that's what I did read that he would have a problem, um, you know, adjusting to being a role player off the bench, and that might that might be part of the reason why. Right. Let's get something clear right away. It does sound enough people are reporting that Wall wants to start that we can somewhat take that seriously. Of course, he may end up coming off the bench and not having an issue with it. But as of now, enough people are reporting it where we can treat it as some sort of certainty that that is what Wall would like when he comes back. Let's not pretend like Wall has been a problem for the Rockets since he's been there. Since he's been there, he's been nothing but cooperative. They didn't necessarily want him to play this season, and he said, fine, that sounds good. I'll take some time off, get healthy, get fit, and get paid $44 million this year and $47 million next year. That's why there won't be a buyout because of those numbers. And I'll sit out. At the same time, the Rockets asked him, hey, could you kind of play an assistant coach role where you're mentoring our number two pick in Jalen Green, whose intangibles are a lot like John Wall's and his playing style is reckless and fast, a lot like the first couple of years of John Wall's career. And Kevin Porter Jr. could learn a lot from that type of player as well. And you know what? John Wall has embraced that. He's always at practice. He's always showing uh Jalen Green and KPJ what to do he's talking to them on the sideline during games which means he's checked in during games mentally if he's not playing physically so he has been a positive person in Houston I believe at least everything before this suggested that as soon as he wanted to play people started to turn on him but he's been good so maybe the 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 him wanting to start thing is real and maybe that's annoying and maybe people dislike John Wall for that but make sure you recognize that he has been a good presence in Houston so far. Okay. And I would give him a little bit of a break until some things actually happen where you make a judgment towards him. And if he wants to start, who's to say it's the worst thing in the world. He's a good player. He can showcase some stuff. Maybe he plays well enough where someone's willing to trade for that fucking nearly $50 million contract this summer. And wouldn't that be best for both sides? I know Jalen Green needs all the minutes in the world, but he's 19 years old. It's not the worst thing for him to come off the bench. LaMilla Ball came off the bench for half the season last year. And I know people were mad about it, and it was a stupid reason that he had to earn the starting position. But in Houston, John Wall has been an all-NBA guard. He's been an all-star guard. Let him at least play a couple games off the bench, and if he proves it, put him in the starting lineup, but make him lose the starting lineup position, I think. I don't think Jalen Green has necessarily earned the starting position for Houston. He's the number two pick. He's got a lot of talent. He's had some good games, but I wouldn't say he's earned that spot. He hasn't been electric. He hasn't been consistent, and he hasn't been incredible. John Wall has been that for several years, and Jalen Green hasn't done that for a full season yet. I don't think that, and I'm not saying there's anything against Jalen Green. I think he's going to be a great player. It, it takes players that are offensive-minded and frail to get going, like Trey Young and Anthony Edwards, who's now not frail. That motherfucker has got the best basketball body I've ever seen. But I don't think it should be the end of the world if Wall wants to start. You were starting Daniel Tice fucking two weeks ago with no issues, and dude's oh. never been as good as John Wall. You're not even, like, good at, like, the stuff you want him to be he's a defensive and rebounding presence and he does that at an average rate get over it all right you're playing eric gordon eric gordon's good i get it but he's in the starting lineup right now with green out you're gonna take him out of the lineup again that's fine 
I just think that Wall should get the shot. He's 31. He's had injuries. He's healthy for the first time in a long time. And if he wants to play, he should be able to play. You don't get to dictate whether his career ends now or not. And a team like Houston can give guards other minutes, give him all the DJ Augustine minutes. Even if it's off the, even if he's starting and he's playing less minutes than Jalen Green, who gives a fuck? Just let him start and feel good about that. And then you bring off Jalen and let him feast off the second unit. Let him learn a little bit more. Dre, any thoughts on that? But basically, I mean, what I was saying was, you know, is I mean, I think this year is really all about for John Wallace and proving that he still has value if he does play for the right, Rockets. Right. Because when you look at it, I think a lot of people forgot last year that he was an actual pretty good player. It's just that, you know, it was probably overshadowed because the Rockets just stunk last year. Yeah. Same thing this year for the most part. But for, I mean, if John Wall is to come back with this team, you know, and just, you know, become a role player off the bench that really brings that veteran leadership, you know, being able to set the tone on both ends of the floor, teams would definitely look into him or, or at yeah. least continue. Yeah. We'll definitely look into him and then, and then possibly, you know, just look for a trade. So my my whole goal with John Wall coming into this year, if, if the Rockets do decide that, hey, we want to play you, is just 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 show that you still have value. Just just show that, you know, you're still a really great player in this league. Oh, yeah. I mean, if John Wall plays and he plays well, I would say there's a very real chance of Philly kicking the tires on him in a potential Ben Simmons trade. I know that they keep saying that they're going to drag this on for years, but honestly, that sounds terrible. If this drags on longer than a year, I don't think Ben Simmons will ever be the same mentally. He needs to get back out on the court uh, with a different team in a different atmosphere so he can get back to loving basketball. But if he's out of it for another year, I don't think he's just I don't think he's going to give a shit. Like, he's just not going to give a shit about basketball anymore. That's it on Houston. And honestly, I apologize that we sort of covered a more negative situation in Houston. But I think both of us have watched John Wall for a lot of years and wanted to discuss our thoughts on this situation. On the lighter side of news, they're 6-0. and And they're playing fantastic. It's not just the stars. KPJ got his first triple-double removed the other day. But... There are undrafted guys like Jay Sean Tate. Jay Sean Tate's a fucking monster, man. He had like 25, 10, and five blocks the other night. Dude's a monster defensively. And I don't know if he's going to be the long-term guy here because he's an undrafted guy, the contracts go. But if a contender can get him for a couple of picks, you do that shit, all right? He's a great defender. They got Garrison Matthews off the scrap. He's hitting threes. He's playing defense. He's got hustle plays. He's playing great. These pickups are playing well. The guys like Daniel Tice aren't. But Raphael Stone is finding guys like this that are contributing. Shen Goon is still playing incredible. Christian Wood still switches from interested and uninterested game by game. But when he's on, he plays incredibly, all right? And you can tell that he's still earning the contract that he's getting. It just sucks that he's not as checked in as, as he is before. To be fair though, it's the worst situation he's ever been in. And he's upset. He didn't, he signed on to a team that had James Harden. He thought I was playing with James Harden. I get it. He's annoyed. KPJ is playing a little bit better. The shooting isn't awesome. And he hasn't had his more uh, explosive scoring positionings, but He's learning to pass a little bit more, which is really cool for a team that's trying to make him their point guard. And if he did, then that would be something that none of us saw him adding. Steven Silas's rotations are a little bit better. I think we could all see Shen Goon get more minutes. But to be fair, his defense is dog shit right now. I don't think you should care that much about that if you're the Rockets. But 
I guess that's a reason not to play him as much. Eric Gordon has looked fantastic and I think is almost guaranteed to be dealt by the trade deadline to a contender that needs a defensive guard or wing. I could see the Bucks being involved with that. I don't know if they have the numbers for it, but someone's going to trade for Eric Gordon. I don't think he'll be on the team after that. And that's good for both of them. Gordon wants to be somewhere else. Beyond that, Armani Brooks is hitting threes. Um, from what I've seen on Rockets Twitter, the guys that I follow are like Anthony Duckett, uh, DGC, Zach Allen, who's been on the pod before at Rens of the Dawn. Go give him a follow. They all seem to think that Wall needs to come off the bench. He needs to earn it. I don't think I don't think there's a lot of pro John Wall people in Houston right now. And play Shengun more. <laughs> and bring Garuba out of the fucking G League, man. I'm saying that shit too. Usman Garuba is a great fucking defender, man. He needs the minutes. I don't even understand why he's even in the G League to begin with, honestly. I don't it's think he does, man. I bet he's pissed. But, but you know, for all the listeners, if you guys go back and um, watch our Houston or listen to our uh, Houston Rockets preview, like I, mm-hmm. I said, that you know, like looking at this team on paper, they got some really good players. Obviously, nobody saw them making the playoffs, but. This this right now, like, you know what I'm saying, this little six-game winning streak, this is big for the young guys. Like, this gives them a lot of confidence because here's the thing, starting off starting off the season 1-16 oh, yeah. or 1-17 on the year, like, that could shake a young guy's confidence, oh, like a yeah. Jalen Green or a Singoon. So, for these guys to be on, like, the type of winning streak that they are on right now, which, by the way, no one expects them to still make the playoffs, but for them to be right. able to have some, have some momentum like this is, is really incredible. Yeah, and honestly, it's better for these guys to get some some confidence and you guys get a mid-lottery pick as opposed to everyone feeling like shit and you guys get another high one. What, are you going to add Chet Holmgren to a, a, a core of Christian Wood and Shen Goon already? No, you're not. Get over it. You would definitely have to trade Christian Wood if that happens. Of course, and they're planning on it probably. We'll discuss that at another point. Golden State's been rumored a lot, but they've won six straight. And two of those wins have come across a team that has really become kind of a rival for Houston in the sense that they're rebuilding at the same time. They have a star guard, quote unquote, that they are developing, and they both had high draft picks this year. Their fans seem to hate each other on Twitter as well. I haven't heard much out of both of these fans for a while. But now they just despise each other. It's Rockets and Thunder fans. They've beaten the Thunder twice in this run. And in addition to those losses, the other night, the Thunder lost to a John Morantless Grizzlies by 73 points. 73 points, the largest margin in NBA history. Just a fucking disgrace, man. Fucking disgrace. That was disgusting. I didn't watch a second of it, and I watched none of the replays. How about you, Dre? I am in the same boat. Let me just say this. After the game, I tweeted out, you know what? It's time for OKC to just go back to Seattle because here's the thing. You, you can't show back up to the city when you lose like that. And here's the thing. like I get it. You know, for the for the Thunder, Shea Gilders Alexander didn't play. Josh Giddy didn't play. So many can say that it was one-sided, but then again, for Memphis, John Morant didn't play. But 
it does not matter who is on the floor and who's not on the floor. You cannot get blown out by 73 points. I am on the same boat as you. I did not watch this game whatsoever. I did not watch the replay, but it is clear as day that the Thunder's defense was just dog shit. Yeah. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like what, like what, what, what exactly could you recap from that game? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like what, what exactly are we going to dive into? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, right. it's, it's disgrace. And well, I mean, it's like when you look at the Grizzlies, you know, obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. had a pretty good game, you know, the rest of those guys. But my goodness, bro, like 73 points is like, that's the same. Like, I mean, we, 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 we've seen stuff like this before. Like, I remember even, um, I want to say it was 2018. This was like, this is like the Grizzlies, like pre-jaw when they had um, Conley. Like they still had Conley, Gasol, Zach Randolph, and these guys. And I, I want to I say they went up against Charlotte. This is Kimball mm-hmm. Walker, Charlotte. And they lost for like, I think they lost by like 65, but still, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these, these type of games just cannot happen, like, where you're losing by, like, 60-plus points. These are the kind of games that make the the league take notice. You remember when the process just took too long and Adam Sam, Adam Silver got Sam Hinkie fired and he made them hire Colangelo instead to, like, speed up the mm-hmm. process? This is the type of loss that after this season, if they don't make improvements to winning, Adam Silver is going to start making shit happen. Presti got to go. And OKC needs to do it. Presti's been a great GM in his tenure. He's got hits on hits. He's got misses. Don't get me wrong. We won't talk about the big one. You all know. But he's built a team here with pieces that can be something. But they missed out in this draft. Giddy's great. I love Giddy. I think him and SGA can be a impactful backcourt on both ends for a long time. Mm-hmm. But the guy was Mobley. I think they were tanking for a big man like Mobley. And I was, thought it should have been personally. Yeah, the defense is there. I just think in terms of a big man to run the PNR with SGA and to be the guy that you build your defense around for years and years and a generational guy, it's Mobley. And we knew that before the draft. We know it now with what he's doing in Cleveland. And Cleveland was rumored to be considering trading the pick. They had their pieces. They had Jarrett Allen. They had Sexton. They had Garland. They had Okoro. They had these young guys that they were ready to develop. They didn't, you know, if they could get something really good for the number three pick, they might have taken it. And I think OKC should have gone all in. I don't know if they tried to or not, but all indications are that they didn't. There aren't rumors of it. It's really disappointing because Presti's been collecting that for a while. You need to trade that for the guy. This is a different team right now if you have Mobley. And we're seeing it in Cleveland. I don't know if I'm salty that Cleveland got him or not just because they've had so many lottery picks over the years. But obviously Cleveland isn't unhappy. A lot of the NBA isn't unhappy because that's a really good defensive team. Any last thoughts on this disgrace in OKC besides that it needs to move on before we move on to what I just teased and Mobley and the Cavs? Well, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree that um, if something doesn't happen this season, which I mean, I mean, we, I mean, we both expect that we both expect the Thunder to not play, make the playoffs whatsoever. I think coming right. into this, both of us didn't expect them to make the playoffs, but Sam Preddy's got, Sam Preddy has to make something happen, happen. Cause I mean, I get it. SGA is still around 23, 24 years of age. But he is continuing to ascend. He was he averaged twenty five a game last year. Right. He didn't know that because the team was just so bad. So my thing about it is, 
you know what I'm saying? Like, you need to think around, like, you know what? Like, we, we have this guy right here who is who is our franchise player. Like, okay. why fuck? Because here's my thing. There's nobody else on that team that's better than SGA. Why not mm-hmm. build a playoff team around him? Like, why not, why not you know what I'm saying, do what Atlanta's doing with Trey Young or, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying, do what Charlotte's doing with LaMelo Ball right now and really building a team because right now it's, one, it's, it's part of the reason why SGA does not get as much respect that I – that I believe that he should because, you know, he's he's tanking in, o- in OKC. Nobody's really paying attention to him. And obviously, you know, obviously a game like that, even though he didn't play, whatever they lose by 73 points is not going to help either. It just fucking sucks, man. I just want them to take it seriously because Shea's a quiet dude and he's a really good guy and he's not quiet in the Kawhi sense where he's uh, – yeah alienated by his teammates his teammates fucking love him his coaches love him he's a good communicator albeit not a loud one just like carl anthony towns but these types of situations will bring the nasty out of these quiet guys and that includes cat who has soured on minnesota to some extent and even him he's still there but he's pain he's struggling and Shea is going to start with this process. The benefit of having a quiet guy is that they're going to give you time to build this thing. What can, can be considered what can be considered a con is that if you take too much time, you'll lose them forever. They'll never trust you again. That's true. And you want to build trust with Shea. I don't know if he has a good relationship with this new coach. You know, he had a decent one with Billy, but we'll see. I think that's it on OKC. I pray that the rest of the season brings more losses and they can get a Chet Holmgren, I guess. Is he the pick? Is he the center you want? He's not the generational defensive guy that this year's year's Mobley will be or next year's Wambanyama will be. But next year, if you tank again, Shea's going to ask fucking out. He's not going to do this for three straight years. So what, are you going to just settle for Chet this year? I hope he's good enough, man. Let's move on to the Cavs. Nicer stuff. People that are taking fucking basketball seriously. They're taking it seriously. Let's take a look at where they are in the standings. As of today, the Cleveland Cavaliers are 13-11. and Tied for seventh in the Eastern Conference. The sixth place player, sixth place team is 14 11, 14 and 10 are four and five. Okay. So they're right there in the mix. And they've been great all season long. And it hinges on the defense. The defense, when Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are on the floor, is the best in the league, fucking easily. Okay. Beyond that, Isaac Okoro still can't really shoot for shit. But defensive wing, you start him with them, and you got one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best. They've had Garland, who's developed into, I think, a legit floor general. Like, I'm talking is going to be an all-NBA guard in the next two seasons, I think. That dude is a monster. He plays in the East and the guards when guys like Kyrie Irving aren't involved. Is kind of weak on the guards, you know. We might see fucking Drew Holiday get into that fucking conversation just because of his pedigree compared to the guys that are in, you know, these situations that they're just not playing as well. But Cleveland is playing monstrous. 
Laurie Markkinen's playing fucking well. Kevin Love's playing well. Dre, what have you seen from the Cavs this season? Are they fucking for real? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's the crazy? Like it pains me. So you know, shout out to my uh, shout out to one of my good friends, Amber Vickers. We had a uh, we had a talk before the season, and she said that the Cleveland Cavaliers would be in the playing tournament, and I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" This no fucking <laughs> way. I get it. They got Evan Mobley. They got Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, the rest of these guys, but nah. Right. I gotta say, man, this 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 team they compete. Like, I think that's the difference. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because people can look at them, oh, they got Evan Mobley, yada, 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 but this team actually competes and they play with one another. Darius Garland, in my opinion, is going to be an all-star one day with the, yeah. way, that he, the, way, with the way that he's lighting up the floor. But I think my favorite player besides Mobley and Garland on this team has been Ricky Rubio. I don't yeah! Know what I don't know, like, what has happened. Like, I, I definitely did not see him fitting with this team the way that he is. And look, it's not only it's not only the next game where he dropped 37 on them or what have right. you, but overall this season he has been a tremendous playmaker for the team, a tremendous scorer, you know, whenever he's called upon. Like it, it is just so insane to like watch these guys. Even Larry Marketing, like I think I think we didn't expect Larry Marketing to fit in with this team either. Like mm. it is just insane to see how everybody is just bought into the into the system. And you gotta give credit to JB Bickerstaff because he's doing such a JB man does a phenomenal job coaching. He got what was initially a shitty job in Cleveland at post LeBron that nobody wanted into what is one of the more exciting head coaching jobs right now. And yeah, Laurie Markin is excelling. And the number one reason he's excelling is because he can be on the floor with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. They're starting three seven footers, not starting, but sometimes they start him. They're playing three seven footers in a lineup for big minutes. And it works because Markinen is versatile offensively. He can shoot the three. He can get in the paint. He's got a little bit of a mini range, especially if he's playing with players like Darius Garland that can set him up. And Evan Mobley is versatile, both offensively. He can do essentially everything but run the pick and roll right now at an adequate level. And he does basically everything elite on the defensive level. He can guard one through five, and he has excelling in this postseason. You think I'm fucking lying? Did you see the no, clip of him blocking watch, Dame Lillard in the clutch? One-on-one ISO. Yeah. Film. Go watch the fucking film, man. This yeah. guy is such a fucking defender. I swear to God, I'm sorry. I, I get so excited this when I see Do it. No, it doesn't fucking matter. They thought they were getting an elite wing defender in Isaac Okoro, and it turns out they don't need him because Evan Mobley is an elite post defender perimeter defender and a guard defender he is generational we throw out generational every day of the fucking week because the media is all clickbait but evan mobley is the best defensive prospect we have seen i don't know i don't know who's the last guy kg the and kg was a high school guy is that the I'll best see. guy that we thought was gonna be defensively because lebron I'll was see. supposed to be a monster but i don't know if he was scouted defensively as much I'll say KG. I'll say maybe a little bit of AD as well. Yeah, that's true. AD was scouted for his defense. I think it took a few years. Like, I don't think he was this good right away by any means. He was this good offensively right away, AD was. But the defense, I don't think, was as a – I mean, obviously this year he's been hampered. But in recent years, he's been a top five defender, not just at his position. And that started a little bit later in his career, I think. 
But Mobley right away. I mean, right away. This dude is going to be. He's he's an all-star this year. He's an all-star this year. He might not be all defense this year because the defensive big men are actually kind of abundant right now with Rudy and Giannis. And Mobley couldn't qualify for forward. But I don't know if he'll make it in his first year. This guy is going to be an all-defense guy every year. He's going to be a Drew Holiday type dude. He's going to be a Draymond guy where he's just there every year, whether it's first or second team. He will be there. And Cleveland, they had Darius Garland, who we didn't think was as good, but Darius Garland was the guy. Like Everyone talked about Darius Garland as the guy in Cleveland because he was the best prospect. And now Evan Mobley, and and, and not, not only this, Garland took a step. He's even better this year. He's averaging like 21 and nine right now. He's playing fantastic. And even with that leap, Evan Mobley is easily the best prospect, the the franchise player in Cleveland, which means they have two really good fucking players on their rookie contracts and a lot of pieces to move around them. I will say this. I will say this. They're a great team. They're a playoff team. I love all of them beyond Mobley and Garland. Is anyone untouchable to you? Uh, Jared Allen, maybe. Maybe, but if you got a good deal, you wouldn't hesitate to include. That's true. But he's, it's he's true. So phenomenal this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially considering that you know Jared Allen is not a guy that's going to stress the floor. So that's why I, that's why I have my concerns with both Mobley. Yeah. And um, Jared Allen being able to start in the front court, but they are making it work. I don't know how they're doing it, but it is. They are definitely making it happen. Yeah, I mean, it's one hundred percent Mobley. Allen's game. I mean, if it was like Allen and Joel Embiid, it wouldn't work, you know. But Mobley is just so versatile defensively and a little bit offensively that it works. That being said, it wouldn't be this good if. Allen wasn't a good player. He's still an elite rim protector. He's still a great lob catcher. He has moments. He's fantastic in the ducker spot and as a roller in the pick and roll, he is a value to this team. And he's a big reason of why they have this, this defense, but if they had a good trade for him, I wouldn't hesitate. And with his contract, if you, and I say, if, because I should say when, when you make a swing for a bigger player, a big name, not necessarily a veteran, but a big young guy, you know, they've got a great package for cat. If he becomes available, you make that move and a guy making $25 million a year, who's 23 years old, like Jared Allen is going to be a very big trade piece. You know, let's say Allen, Okoro, Sexton, and a couple of picks gets you cat. Maybe, maybe, who knows? It's probably better than the Warriors offer. That's all I'm saying. I don't, I wouldn't mind that. I'd love it. I mean, you don't have to worry about Cat. I mean, obviously you have to worry about it a little bit, but you don't have to worry about it as much, Cat's defense, when you have Mobley's generational defense right next to you. And then Mobley gets to discover, he's like, you, you want to know uh, the equivalent of Mobley on, in terms of a young defender as a big man? You want to see the opposite in terms of a young savant on offense for a big man? Meet Carl Anthony Towns. He's your polar opposite, brother. You guys can learn a lot from each other. That would be fucking sick. And um, with just keep him with Garland. I mean, that's all you need. Fill it around with some vets at that point. Fucking LeBron in two years. People are talking about it. You think that you buying that? People are talking about that online. You buying that? Say that one more time. He's going to be the next LeBron. No, they're talking about in two years when LeBron's Laker contract expires, he might go back to the Cavs because they're oh. young and good. 
Honestly, you know what? You know what? You know what's so funny about that is that well, LeBron had first went to Miami. I was like, you know, he's probably gonna stay in Miami for a very long time. I just right. cannot see him going back to Cleveland. Then four years later, he does go back to Cleveland, and I'm thinking, you know what? Okay, cool. He's probably gonna spend the rest of his career in Cleveland. But then four years after that, he goes to the Lakers. So with LeBron, yeah. there's a possibility for anything at this point. There really is, and the Lakers look like fucking shit, man. But that's how we're talking about this episode, baby, because we don't have – until we have to talk about the Lakers, we will not talk about the Lakers on this podcast. And I am a Los Angeles resident, baby. Anything else on the Cavs before we move on to a little bit of boogie? Yeah, I'm going to have a hot take. So if if the Cavs continue to go where they are, going in the direction that they are, and they do make the playing tournament, J.P. Biggs have got to be at least top five coach of the year candidate. I agree. I would 100% back that. And I would put um, Kobe Altman, their GM, in the running for executive of the year. I think it's going to end up being um, Chicago's guy, Arturo. With the DeMar DeRozan trade, with the Alex Caruso deal, with the Lonzo Beal deal, I, I just don't think that there's any way that he loses that award. But I would, I would guess top five voting for for the for Kobe Altman for getting Mobley, Ricky Rubio, Lori Markinen, all those dudes in the same offseason. And honestly, the, I think they extended JB's contract this season too. Um, it's just good news in Cleveland. It's good news. And they've got like a really stable coach. JB is cut of the Ty Lu cloth, I think, in terms of managing players and just being a likable guy. It's really cool to see for everyone involved. And I put them at, you know, when the Pacers first made the playoffs with Victor Oladipo that year, he was all NBA and they took LeBron's Cavs to seven games. I could see that type of postseason run for the Cavs this year. Just surprising a contender, taking them to seven, losing because they're inexperienced, but like meeting a a contender right away who underestimates them and just surprisingly taking them to seven. I'd love to see Mobley guard Kevin Durant for a series. How fucking fun would that be? That would be so freaking great, in my opinion. Obviously, KD's probably still going to get off, but you know what? Yeah, yeah. Mobley's going to make it difficult. I'm telling you, Mobley's going to make it difficult for him. We're going to have some incredible playoff matches this playoffs obviously we're only a quarter into the season but if things hold up and like the charlotte hornets make the playoffs we get to see them in a playoff series i want to see Lamelo and miles bridges just trying to dunk opposition into oblivion for seven games that sounds fucking incredible let's move on though we've got a lot of you know surprisingly we've got a lot of news in milwaukee in the past couple of weeks, they've made a lot of roster moves, and one of them was definitely motivated by injury. Unfortunately, Brooke Lopez, the I'm gonna I'm not saying this as a joke, like genuinely the star big man for Milwaukee. He is a star for Milwaukee, has gotten back surgery. He played the first game of the season against Brooklyn, played well, rebounding hard like he always does. And hasn't played since then. We knew it was a back injury, but the Bucs had not released any specifics. They've been incredibly quiet. The same goes for Dante DiVincenzo. Haven't heard much on him, just that he would be back in the foreseeable future. Obviously, at this point, we know that it has been a bit more severe than they have been letting on. I read a couple of articles and listened to Zach Lowe's podcast, and I know two things. One, there was not a setback in his 
condition. Budenholzer, either it was Budenholzer or Horst, I believe, said that there was no improvement. And if no improvement is considered a setback, then yeah, he had a setback. But the reality was it wasn't healing. It just wasn't improving. Not that it got any worse. So surgery was the next step. Zach Lowe said on his podcast that people close to Brooke Lopez are very, quote, very confident for a return in the regular season. So the Bucs have not given up hope on Brooke returning in the regular season and being available for the playoffs. What he looks like at that point and whether he can stay healthy is a matter for far later in the season. But right now we can talk about the man, the big man, that they signed as not necessarily a direct replacement because Bobby Portis is going to get most of the Brook Lopez minutes going forward, but as a big man off the bench that can rebound, score, pass, and defend a little bit off the bench because the Bucks without Brook Lopez are sorely missing size. And who do they go out and get? A man who hasn't played since I believe he was in training camp for the Lakers last year and tore his ACL, not last year, but the bubble year, he would have gotten a ring that year, tore his ACL in training camp and just didn't get re-signed by the Lakers when he was healthy, which is totally fair. Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, one of my favorite players since I've started watching the NBA and I think has been one of the most mistreated players in the league since we since he has entered the league, a monster in Sacramento, multi-time All-NBA big man, all-star for many years, famously traded to New Orleans, creating one of the nastiest frontcourt duos we have seen in recent time with Anthony Davis. And as they were heading into the playoffs at the end of that year, ruptured his Achilles. Since then, it's been injuries after injuries and teams after teams. Joined the Golden State Warriors, where he played all right, played some bunch minutes, and they ultimately lost to the Toronto Raptors in the finals that year. Move on over to the Los Angeles Lakers, played for the Houston Rockets for a year when they were really bad, signed with the Los Angeles Clippers last year, where he played some real playoff minutes for him. I know two minutes ago I said I think the last time he played for them, played in the league was with the Lakers, but obviously it was last year with the Clippers where he joined them late in the season because they too were dealing with injuries to their starting center and Serge Ibaka, and he played some okay minutes for them. He could score in the post, he could rebound because he's a big body, but that was pretty much it. And that's all that Milwaukee needs him to do. And he has played really well in his few games in Milwaukee. I'm not saying he's going to be a star for Milwaukee or this, you know, unfair fourth piece to Giannis, Drew, and Chris, but he's going to do what they miss from Brook Lopez. He's been rebounding hard. He gets an, he's the only guy, he, I'll say this, already he is the second best offensive rebounder on the team. Number one is obviously Giannis, who is the best offensive rebounder in the game, in my opinion. But Cousins is already the second best offensive rebounder on the team. He hit a three in one of his games and the shot looks pure. The free throws are going in and he's getting a lot of free throws because of these offensive boards when he goes in. The passing is phenomenal. We played the Miami Heat yesterday without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Cool your fucking jets. But they were running a zone for much of the game and the Bucs would just throw it to Cousins in the high post. 
and he would make a pass to the dunker stop dunker spot because either someone was cutting like the NASA's or someone was already there like Drew Holiday and they were perfect pinpoint passes every single time no one on the team can do that except for Brooke who was out for a lot of the season and Giannis who hasn't played in the past couple of games beyond that He's gotten a couple of steals. He's gotten a couple of blocks. He's competing. He's not even fully conditioned yet, and yet he's running hard on every single play. Yesterday, there were a couple of moments where he really did get in the fucking ref's faces, and he didn't get a technical, but he almost did. So Boogie's coming. He's there. And Giannis has seemed to enjoy his presence there. Dre, I don't know how much you've seen of Boogie since he started Milwaukee. Obviously, you get my texts every single time he does anything even remotely positive. But what do you think about the fit? And out of what you've seen so far, how do you think the fit's going? So initially, when the uh, when the trade or when the signing first happened, I was kind of thinking, like, you know what I'm saying? Like with the way with the way the, the Milwaukee Bucks play is kind of like, you know what I'm saying, like his cousin's gonna be able right, to right. Play that play that certain style with the team so that's why I would, I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say that I thought it was gonna be a bad fit but I also was like yeah I'm not I'm not so sure I'm just gonna have to see right but I watched well I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say I watched the game but I definitely went back and watched the replay of the um the Bucks Hornets game from the other night and let me just say that Bucky does look very comfortable with this team you know being able to stress the floor being able to knock down shots being able to rebound so obviously Bucky is bringing to this team, what they are missing, which obviously is Brooke Lopez, you know, being out with that injury. So I definitely think that he does kind of make up what what Lopez brought to the team and really and really just playing hard on both ends of the floor. And yeah. plus you see, you know, the rest of his team just really supporting him. Like Giannis, Giannis, I think Giannis tweeted about him a few times, you know, Giannis really yeah. seems like he's really happy to have him on the team. So I want to say it is, is it a contract for the, for the rest of the year? I want to say. Uh, it's non-guaranteed right now, but if they guarantee it, it will be for the rest of the season. Honestly, I think I think if he has even one more game like he had against the Hornets or last night against the Heat, where he had like 11 points and seven rebounds, a few assists, really, really good assists in the zone to break the zone and get dunkers wide open. If he has even one more game, I would guess they guarantee it for the rest of the season. I think they're more so looking to see if he can stay healthy slash uh, stay in conditioning right now because he's been great. So I, I fully expect it to be for the rest of the season, but it's not guaranteed right now. Right. So you basically look at it. I personally think that he will be on this team going yeah. into the rest of the year. Because I mean, I mean, we, we all get it. Demarcus Cousins is nowhere near the player that he was back in the Sacramento. Right. But if you looked at him against, um, or when he played for the Clippers, he at least he at least he at least showed good support with the team. When mm-hmm. you look at him now with this Bucks team, you know, what I'm saying he's showing really good production with this team. So I just think that you know, if he just continues to just play well and, and increase his value. He's going he's gonna to be a really solid team for the for the Bucks going forward, even in the postseason. If he keeps that emotion, I love the emotion, towards the refs and towards the crowd in a good way, we have a player that has already embraced that, a guy that people have called a bad attitude before, but the city has fully embraced him, Bobby Portis. And if Boogie does it, well, the Bobby chance is the same cadence as a Boogie chant. So if Boogie just keeps it up and keeps it out of the locker room, I'm not saying he's a cancer. I'm just saying the only way that this can be fucked up is that if he, if he does become an issue in the locker room, I don't necessarily see it happening. 
if he keeps it at the refs at the other team, you know, and then hypes up the crowd, you're going to hear boogie chants in the Pfizer forum pretty fucking soon. I promise you this, this city loves to embrace a player and they did it with Bobby and they'll do it with boogie and Bobby loves boogie. He, he cheers for him every time he's on the bench and boogies out there. All right. It would be great for this to continue. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to be even better. I, I really do. I would continue starting Bobby. And then bringing uh, Boogie off for some big minutes until Brooke is out. And when Brooke is out there, then you just have an abundance of riches, which is totally fine. I honestly, if Boogie is as good as he's been in the past two games, I don't know. I don't think we had the resources to trade for a guy as good as Boogie's been right now. That's the way I'll put it. We needed a trade for a big man if Brooke was going to be out. And I don't know with the trade assets we have, if we could have brought in a guy as good as Boogie's been so far. And that's really cool. In another move, a few days later, the Bucks waived Giorgios Kaladzakis, who they took with the 60th pick in the draft. Very likely a favor to the agent, who is the same agent as Giannis Antetokounmpo and Thanasis Antetokounmpo, the brother stars of the Milwaukee Bucks. A favor to him to just get his uh, client draft, they get some experience, get a contract. They waived him and they brought in a player who was now in the Bucks last year, but the year prior in Wesley Matthews. Wesley is 35 years old. This is his 12th NBA season. And last year he played with the Los Angeles Lakers, but for a lot of the season was out of the rotation. For some reason, couldn't find a way onto the team. And for whatever reason, I guess a lot of people, including myself, took that to mean that Wesley Matthews is washed. And for a lot of intents and purposes, he is. He's not the elite defender he was pre-Achilles with those Portland Trailblazers teams he was all those years ago. And he's not as much of a scorer as he could have been back in the few years ago. But He is still a decent defender and can hit threes when he's wide open. And there's a team that generates a ton of wide open threes and could use more wing defenders. And it's familiar with Wes Matthews and Wes Matthews is familiar with their scheme. So the Milwaukee Bucks brought him back in and just like someone else who looked washed last year before joining the Bucks and George Hill, who looks fine with the Bucks. Now Wes Matthews looks like he's not washed. He had limited minutes. This was the first day he, I mean, he was signed like the day before the game. So not a lot of minutes there for him, but he played some good defense. Tyler Hero took a three in transition and Wes Matthews blocked it from behind. That's difficult to do, especially without following. And he made a three and brought out the arrow. I missed the archer in Milwaukee with Wes Matthews tossing that arrow out. So if that's what he's going to bring to the table, he's already better than semi Ojali is fucking can't shoot ass and Rodney hood. Who's actually played okay defense this year, but he can't hit open threes either. Honestly, West hitting that three was better than anything that hood has hit this year or semi Ojale. And now he's already above them in the rotation. Any thoughts on West Matthews, Dre? I like it, honestly. And I think, I think it's a really good move. Like, honestly, obviously who's better, who's better offensively between, West Matthews and Dante DiVincenzo. Obviously, DiVincenzo is a better player. Right, 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 right. But you know, with West Matthews being that being that veteran leadership, you know, he's already been with this team, so he already understands, you know, where um, where Coach Bud is going to have him play. So, right. you know, he he already has the chemistry with the team. So I think I think him coming back with this team is just going to be like a no brainer. So you know, he's he, he's he, he's going to fit like a glove with this team. 
I agree. And last year, you know, if Dante comes back and he's healthy, he'll play over West. And that doesn't matter. West is 35 years old. He doesn't need to play major minutes. But mm-hmm. like last season, when Dante got injured during the first game of the Brooklyn series, and it was announced that he was out for the playoffs, if we had a guy like Wes, Wes Matthews on the end of the bench that we could put in for him, we would have been ecstatic. And now we have that. I mean, his deal is also non-guaranteed. There's a chance that both him and Cousins get waived in the next couple of weeks for whatever reason. Maybe Cousins get worse. Maybe Wes Matthews is ineffective. Maybe both of them, either of them, pick up injuries. But as of right now, they're tied up with the Bucks, And I fucking love it, man. I love it. The Milwaukee Bucks never had cool American players on the team, you know? Euro guys would come to Milwaukee because there's actually a pretty big german greek and kind of a not not like eurocentric as in like new york but there's euro culture in milwaukee and wisconsin and some euro guys will go there sometimes but the cool american players always wanted to be in miami and los angeles and the bigger states and cities which i i personally don't take any gripe with i i grew up in milwaukee and i live in los angeles now i have no gripes with that whatsoever so i i just personally relish when there are cool american players on the bucks that's why i was so devastated when pj tucker wasn't able to resign because we got cheap but boogie cousins is one of the dopest american players i've ever fucking watched man and if he's like if he is a, like pj tucker loves the bucks forever now you saw it when he got his ring and a, a guy with as much fucking clout and street cred as PJ Tucker liking the Bucks forever means a lot of people that PJ fucks with and fuck with PJ are going to fuck with the Bucks forever. And if Boogie gets a ring with the Bucks or even just gets to be in the NBA again because of the Bucks and really respects the Bucks for it, a lot of people that fuck with Boogie are going to fuck with the Bucks. I really like when shit like that happens for us. And Wesley Matthews is kind of like that too. He's a well-respected player in this league, you know? So I'm just relishing every moment of it. A, a bench that was really bad last year has become really fucking solid. I mean, we've got George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Wesley Matthews, Boogie Cousins, and Bobby Portis on some nights coming off the bench. That's one of the best benches in the NBA. And this is a team that's starting a top five player and a top 20 player and a top 25 player in Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Depending on how you view them, that's how I personally view them. But they're they're back, baby. They're fucking back. You know, the Bucks are winning games. They're but also, guys out. go ahead. Yeah, do it, man. You know, since we're on the Milwaukee talk, can we we since we're on the Milwaukee talk, can we please give the praise to my man Grayson Allen who has Hell yeah. shooting the fucking lights out. I don't know what has happened. I mean, obviously Grayson Allen's always been a great player, always been a good player. Yeah. But you know, obviously coming into the NBA, he hasn't been as what maybe people have expected. But I don't know. It's it's just something about going to Milwaukee and just finding your own. And you catch your passes from Giannis. That's a big deal for guys, you that's know? A, that's a fact. That's a fact. So, Grayson Allen is definitely shooting the ball phenomenally in Milwaukee, and it is part of the reason why they are they are winning right now. Grayson Allen was always a good shooter and decent at other stuff in the league. And surprisingly, when you get traded to a team that is good in things, they're going to make you better at stuff. If you're good at shooting – and you start getting the most wide open shots you've ever had in your life and catching passes from a two-time MVP, one-time finals MVP, and it was a great passer and draws a lot of attention, you're going to hit more shots than you ever have before. That's what happened to Bobby when he became to the Bucs. That's what happened to George Hill when he got to the Bucs for the first time. That's what's happening to Grayson Hill now. 
you know? It's what's going to happen to Boogie, who's already caught some passes from Giannis for threes. It's just what happens to these guys. And when you put a guy who's actually good at shooting, like Grayson Hill in that situation, he becomes an elite shooter. And beyond that, he's bought in. He's surrounded by Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, some of the best defenders in the league, especially Drew and Giannis. Mm-hmm. All Grayson has to do is not fuck up. And he's pretty good at not fucking up on defense. In fact, he's a pretty solid defender. And that's been fantastic for the Bucs to see. It's You're seeing him Pat Connaughton yesterday. Pat Connaughton fucking hit eight threes. Eight threes. He had like 27 points against the Miami Heat. Dude was pulling up from five feet behind the three, catch and shoot, He's become an elite shooter. And I'm telling you this right here, right now, this season and this season only, he is better than Joe Harris. And he is better than Duncan Robinson, who is making $90 million on his contract. Pat Connaughton becoming a incredible role player is something I never saw coming. I never saw coming. The defense isn't like the defense hasn't, jumped as far as the shooting has the the shooting has jumped from average to elite and it's stayed at elite for a long enough time where we think he's going to be great at least for a long time the defense has jumped from solid to a little bit more than solid it's good the rebounding is great but the defense isn't elite he's not like an elite two-way player at, at this point he is a b plus a minus three and d wing though and for that on his contract is incredible for the Bucks. The white men in Milwaukee, like always, are thriving. But this time it's for the Milwaukee Bucks with Grayson and Pat drilling every three in existence. And the bench is playing well. The starters are playing well. Giannis is an MVP candidate, although personally I think Jokic is running away with the award right now. It's a good time. It's a good time. Anything else you want to cover, Dre, before we start wrapping up? Um, oh, I want to get into this um this topic and I want to hear your opinion. So please. Let's just okay, we're gonna we're gonna go into the direction of the West. The New Orleans Pelicans, Zion Williamson is set back. We don't know what the fuck is going on. He looks way over 300 pounds, very out of shape. Um I don't know. In my opinion, I'm starting to believe that, you know, it's saying just 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 shut down this entire year. But I want to I want to hear your thoughts. I think. If I'm Zion and I'm out of shape, it's really hard for me to give a shit about being in shape and being game ready when my team's been dog shit for like three straight years. Mm. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas is playing well. He had that crazy 37-point game the other night. Brandon Ingram's playing fine, but the team still fucking sucks, man. What are they? Currently, they are 15th, fucking 15th in the West. Worst team in the Western Conference. Even without Zion, you've got guys like Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas, Devontae Graham. You should be winning some fucking games. But no, this is fucking the third straight year of the Pelicans just being dog shit. And Zion is just, why would he give a shit? Why would he care about being in game shape? You know what? You know how, how players that are dog shit on defense become good defenders when the team becomes good because suddenly they give a shit about playing defense? Zion is going to give a shit about being ready for games when his team is ready for games. Because right now they're fucking not. 
And it, it's not the coach. Willie Green's fine. He's not a bad coach. I'm not certain he's an elite coach. But that's not the problem with the Pelicans. The roster's mismanaged. It doesn't fit. Devontae Graham has no place being there. Trading Lonzo Ball is a mistake that they will regret for years and years and years. And David Griffin is fucking terrible. He is a a terrible GM. What, because he lucked into the first pick and took Zion Williamson, the easiest pick of the past fucking decade? He gets to be like this this guy that gets a pass on drafting guys that haven't helped and trading guys like Lonzo Ball for no fucking reason just because – you didn't draft him. Almost trading Brandon Ingram for no reason. Just, just idiotic I move after, after idiotic move. The most improved season. Yeah, trading Drew Holiday in a good deal, but trading for Stephen Adams and giving him an extension, and then giving him a pick to go away, and then trading for Jonas Valanciunas and giving him an extension. It's looked good so far, but it's the second straight move he made for a plotting it's, white center. It's not getting them in the direction that they need to be. That's why it's looking so bad. And look, yeah. I agree. Valanciunas is a really good player. Brandon Ingram is playing. Really, state. really good. Like, could make an all-star or two in his career easily. You know, he's not a bad player by any means. That is the fact. But, I mean, we, we just have to come to the conclusion that the New Orleans Pelicans are just not a good team. You cannot. It's 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 the same. It's the same conversation that we had earlier with the whole SGA situation at OKC. Right. When you have these type of generational talented players. Can we please stop saying, oh, five years from now, ten years from now, we get it. You know what I'm saying? Zion is still young. Zion's 21, 22 years old. But looking at the injury history, will he still be the same five years from now? I hope he will. I hope that he can still play at an also caliber level, caliber level right. in five years from now. But we just don't know. We really don't know, especially with the injury history that he has had. So if you are David Griffin, be in win now mode. But we obviously know that's not really a thing. Hell, I mean, we, I mean, even though the uh, trade was actually pretty good, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's still not that great if we're going to be honest. But you know, it's one good thing, though. That pick from the Lakers this year might be fucking good. <laughs> It that's might true. be like the 15th or 16th pick. That gets you a Shengun last year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe the Lakers picks are becoming good. Better than the Clippers picks are. That's all I'm saying. Right, but my thoughts on Zion is, you know, in my opinion, you know, it's it's clear that, you know, the injury is still bothering him. And you can just tell yeah. that he, he is just not in shape. Like, they should have videoed him running suicides. It, 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 it looks <laughs> <laughs> it looks absolutely terrible, and I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to disrespect Yon. I'm not Yon. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm no. not. I'm not trying to disrespect Zion whatsoever. But just, just shut it down for this year. You know what I'm saying? Continue to rehab. The Pelicans aren't going anywhere. And here's the thing: even if he does try to speed up the process and come back, you don't want to risk another injury. So if I'm Zion, shut it down this year. They're another team. They had the 10th pick in the draft and they traded it for Jonas Valanciunas essentially also to get off of both Bledsoe and Steve. Listen, in the grand scheme of things, you traded the 10th pick in the draft. You got back to center. That could have gotten them anybody. Kaminga. That could have gotten Yeah. Got like even Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell, who would have been great for them. 
Davion Mitchell would make you miss Lonzo Ball just a little bit less. Not a lot less, but a little bit less. And a guy like Shengun removes the need for a guy like Jonas Valanciunas. Hell, he's a guy who's even cheaper than Valanciunas that you can keep around for a couple of years to figure out with Zion. He can be like a Jokic type passing the ball without a, a team without a fucking point guard, you know? But right. they're a team with that 10th pick who traded it. And listen, in the grand scheme of things, you got rid of Eric Bledsoe, 17, 18 million dollars a year. Steven Adams, 18 to 20 million dollars a year. You got a guy who's an all-star caliber center back and you trade the number 10 pick. That's not terrible. That's like an okay move. But they're a team too that with all the picks they have and the guys that they're willing to trade like Lonzo Ball, send it and get a, a, a player back in return. Imagine if he's healthy, Zion running pick and roll with a guy like Josh Giddy. That would have been great for them. Oh or a guy God. like Kuminga to play defense. Or you shoot for the moon and get Mobley. And then you don't need to keep trading for these dog shit centers that can't play defense. Or you move up as high as you can. Not number one. They were never going to trade number one. But a team like Cleveland, who thought they might end up with Jalen Green or someone, or Jalen Suggs might have taken Lonzo Ball in the number 10 pick for number three, maybe a future Laker pick too. But that's not a ton to give up for a guy like Mobley. These teams are too patient. You need, when there are, in a a draft that is rare, this year's draft is not. You know, Paolo Banchero Jr. is great, and Chet Holmgren is great. Neither of them are as good as Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley, and either of them might not be as good as Scotty Barnes, you know? When there are guys like that in the draft that everyone knows, you need to make every effort you can to get in there if you already have one of those guys. And teams like OKC and uh, who we're talking about now, (laughs) New Orleans, guys that have that right now need to make those moves to get a second one of those guys. That's how you win. This is how I win, Kevin Garnett, Uncut Gems. That's how you win. You get two of those guys under control, like the Cavs do now with Garland and Mobley, and that's how you win for the future. But neither of them have made those moves. Honestly, the Grizzlies traded down to number 10. Z.R. Williams hasn't played fucking any fucking minutes this season, but they could have traded up even higher. They've got all of their picks. They've got young guys like Tillman Bain, DeAnthony Melton even, Jaron Jackson. Hell, I would have put Jaron Jackson in a trade if it got me to the top three of the draft easily, easily, you know? These teams are too patient, I think, because you're not – it's not a win-now move. It's only a win-now move if you're wasting assets to trade for a guy like Carmelo or John Wall or even Bradley Beal. I'm not saying Memphis needs to sell everything for Bradley Beal right now. I'm saying sell assets for a guaranteed young guy like Cade, like Evan, like Jalen, like both Jalen's, like Scotty, even Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner would have been a fantastic pick for New Orleans this year. He would have been a great fit next to Zion and Zion in the five lineups which they should be running when he's healthy but they're too patient and it's going to fuck them in the long run because their players are going to get fatigued with losing they're not going to build a culture you're going to run through coaches who hate being there and there's just a crapshoot OKC can't use all 30 first rounders that they have in the next five years they need to trade some why not trade them for guaranteed fucking prospects like you had this year, it, it really infuriates me because if a team like that ends up with the Mobley, 
they are the future and Cleveland is the future now, but they've had so many shots at the future that I don't know if they necessarily deserve it. At the end of the day, he's there and they're going to work with him for the next decade, probably because great rookies sign their second contract because it's so much money. If not, they sign with someone else and they still get matched. They're the, they will spend the first decade ish, eight years typically of their career with the team that drafted them. And that's, what's going to happen with mobile. And now he's with the Cavs and teams are going to regret for years and years and years for not making the move to go into there. It's really, really disappointing to see, especially these teams that need to add to their cores right now. Pelicans are dog shit. That's my opinion. David Griffin needs to go. Zion, if you put any blame on him, you're a fucking idiot. All right. He's going to get in shape when the team's fucking good. And I don't blame him for being out of shape right now. I wouldn't want to play for that team. And I'm poor. <laughs> Give me a fucking contract. I won't play for the Pelicans or the Kings, all right? <laughs> it's just depressing because there's so many bright future teams in the league. So many good teams, different teams. There's parity in the leagues. Even, even the super teams aren't performing like super teams. Anyone can win the title this year. So why the fuck wouldn't you try to win now, baby, before the next super team comes up? It's going to happen. Zion Williamson, 21, 22 years old, injury history. You know, when you drafted this guy, you believed in him. Get a yeah. team. We yes. did it. I mean, I did it. Yes. Brandon, Ingram. Brandon Ingram, great player. Valentin is a good player. It's not enough. I'm sorry. It's just right. Not Devontae enough. Graham, fine. He's fine. Beyond that, who the fuck is on your team? You failed to recognize Lonzo Ball's greatness. How? How? We were talking about this before they traded him. We were talking about this before they lost him in free agency to to the Chicago Bulls. We were talking about this forever, that them even considering trading Lonzo Ball was stupid. And it's come out to be stupid. It's so annoying. It's just so annoying. David Griffin is committing war crimes in New Orleans, and he's going to be a direct reason that Zion Williamson leaves the the Pelicans in like three years. And I said the Knicks accidentally because he's probably going to the fucking Knicks, man. That or the Hawks. I could see him. If they have to put all their chips in, they'll trade every last thing on that roster for Zion and keep Trey. They'll trade all 13 other fucking players. They won't matter. Let's take a look at today's games, and we'll wrap up with that. Today, the Jazz beat the Cavs by 1, 109, 108. I don't fucking care about the Jazz. They're going to lose in the second and third round of the playoffs this year, just like they always do. But the Cavs are competitive against a good regular season team. The Raptors beat the Wizards by 12. The Wizards have been terrible in crunch time lately. They've lost some close games. And the Raptors have won a few games lately. They beat the Giannis-less Bucks the other night. Pretty cool to see them rack up some wins, get some Scotty, some more reps. The Hornets beat the Hawks by three, 130-127. I bet that's going to be a really That that was without LaMelo, Rozier. Yeah. Did you watch the game? I didn't watch the game, but I'm, I'm looking at the highlights right now on NBA TV. Okay. It's insane. Sounds like an exciting game. It was a three-point game that got into the 120s, so I'll probably rewatch that sometime this week. I love watching the Hornets play, man. I don't know what it is about LaMelo. Like, I like watching Trey Young, and he plays a similar style than LaMelo, 
But LaMelo is one of my favorite players to watch. And Trey is, he's fun. I like watching him play, but he's not one of my favorites. LaMelo is. LaMelo and Giannis traded jerseys the other night in that in that game. Giannis asked for his jersey. Giannis knows ball, man. He He's like, oh, okay, that's the guy I need to fucking get his jersey. And Apparently LaMelo, you get... has like a mean jersey collection now. Yeah, this. yeah. Giannis loves that shit, man. That's so cool. And yeah. he doesn't care about who he asks. If you have a good game against Giannis, he's going to ask for your jersey. You could mm-hmm. see it on the, the slow-mo. Lamelo's like, I got you, my boy. It's so He's so comfortable with Giannis when he asks for it. We've got the Rockets beating the Pelicans, the dog shit Pelicans. Rockets for their sixth straight win. They've beaten bad teams during this run, the Thunder twice and the Pelicans today. But they're a bad team themselves. So, Honestly, it should be more indicative on the teams losing than a criticism of the Rockets and who they're beating. No one is saying the Rockets are a playoff team or a contender. We're just saying that they're not as bad as we thought they were. And if they're beating teams that are now considered worse than them, that means that's true. That's all we're saying with the Rockets win streak right now, that they just weren't the process Sixers level of terrible. And it has to do with Silas changing the rotations a little bit. No more Daniel Tice, start Wood at the center, Jay Sean Tate at power forward, bring Shen Goon off the bench as the main big man. Easy changes, and they've meant a lot to the Rockets. Dre, we're quarter past the season. Give me your top three contenders and your top three MVP candidates. I'll do the same, and we'll get out of here. All right, top three contenders so far. I'm going to go with the Warriors, number one, Phoenix, number two, and I'll say the Nets is number three. And as far as MVPs, I got Steph, I got KD, and who can be that three spot? I'll go the Joker. Yeah, all right. Top three contenders. I'm going in no particular order. Warriors, Suns, and Bucks. I'm never going to count out, count out the Bucks. I got close to last year. They won the title. Until there's an injury to someone actually incredibly important to the team or they start getting significantly under 500, I'm never going to count them out. They're in my top three. This all changes if Brooklyn adds Kyrie Irving in the foreseeable future. We do not see that happening. Top three MVP candidates. I'm putting Giannis up there, not at number one, uh, distant third, I would say, to, I'm only, listen, if it was purely impact and statistics, Jokic would be my number one. But Steph is a second to Jokic, and his team has the number one record in the NBA. So I'm going Steph at one, Jokic at two, Giannis is a distant third, okay? Those three guys are doing everything for their team and they're doing it for playoff teams. Jokic, even at 11, 11, you know, like the bucks have had a rough start, but they're 15 and nine and they're third in the East. Like they're going to be leading the East sooner rather than later. The nets are 11, 11. They're seventh in the West. They're probably going to be a playing team, maybe a five or six seed if they get lucky. And Jokic is doing everything for them. That's why he gets the nod above Giannis because he's doing everything and he's doing it at an elite level. Like Giannis, Jokic is better than he was last year when he won MVP. Giannis is better than he was when he won his two MVPs, but that's a kind of beside the point with Jokic. Those are our picks. In my opinion. Who? Giannis. Yeah, he's better now. No, yeah. He's, he keeps getting better. His passing especially is like significantly better than it was when he was an MVP winner. 
You know, he's a better player than he was. He'll probably win one or two more in his career. I just don't see it right now with, I mean, Steph is like, as much as Giannis is like the guy that didn't win last year because of voter fatigue and he's coming back now and the voters might come back to him. That narrative effect doubles for Steph, who was the first unanimous MVP winner of all time and Mm -hmm. had a few years, more years than Giannis not winning that stuff because of his team being injured and not as good as it was when it was a super team. The second that they have a chance to actually vote him as an MVP, because last year he was a play-in candidate, they couldn't vote. They they were never going to vote a play-in candidate for MVP. But the second that they have a chance to, meaning he's a top three seed in the West, they're going to. Like Steph Curry is, if they're a top three, top two, I'll say top two. If they're a top two seed at the end of the season, Stephen Curry will win MVP. And I will, there will be no, like, no chance of anyone else, even though Jokic statistically probably deserves it higher. If they're a top two seed, Stephen Curry will win the MVP, even if the Bucks are the number one seed in the NBA. I promise. I promise. That's just how it's going to work. That's going to wrap it up for us here. We're going to try to go back to Monday releases. So recording every Sunday, our schedules have slowed down considerably after the beginning of the fall and after the holidays. Of course, we've got holidays um, coming up now and ongoing. Happy Hanukkah if you're celebrating it right now. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go back to this at least weekly. I think um, we're both back to watching more basketball than we have Dre. I know you've got something to plug, including a little collab. Can you give us some promo, sir? Yes. So obviously make sure to follow me on Twitter at Nick Andre ATR. Yes, sir. I'm on link tree there. You'll see everything from podcast articles, but you know, for those who have been, Keeping up with the Forgotten Players Part 2, the second installment of the series, definitely appreciate it. You know, running every Monday and Wednesday, giving you guys some good content on former NBA players that you may have forgotten about and really just give you um, just really just giving you a reminder of, you know, how good their career was. Tomorrow, well, which, which will be today, when, right. we, when we release the episode. Monday. have a special No Bucks Given collab on a very... In my opinion, underrated player in Bucks history. Oh yeah, think? the second best number twenty-two in Bucks history. Okay, That's not he bad. is a monster. Plays a lot like the current number two. Was around when they won the title last year. Was hanging around the team. Was part of the festivities. It's Michael Red, and it's some good shit. This article is good. I need you guys. It'll be on my feed if you follow me on Twitter at underscore Guccifer. That's Lucifer with a G. I'll have it retweeted with some thoughts. It'll probably be very mean to the readers. For some reason, I just alienate the readers every time I tweet. But it'll be on Dre's Twitter as well at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. It's good shit. Forgotten Super players. Good. It's a little bit of passing the roses too. I know that's the other series, but it does a little bit of the same effect. I promise you that. Oh, yeah, All right. I've got an article out uh, right now. I believe it's um, reassessing the Knicks after the first quarter of the season. I hope I didn't do enough. Uh, I didn't do too much to piss off Knicks fans, but I'm not too disappointed with the Knicks right now. And I think they're going to be better in the future. Hear why in that article. I'm probably going to tweet it out tomorrow when I have the link. Beyond that, though, keep an eye out for new stuff from me and Dre. We're 
planning stuff. Stuff is on the horizon. Christmas time is on the way, and hopefully we'll have some updates for you by then time. But until then, stay cool. Stay safe. Stay watching the NBA as the standings are tightening up after the first quarter. Contenders are showing themselves and pretenders are starting to fall out of the race. This is no bucks given. This is Agu. That's Andre. We will catch you next time, hopefully next Monday. Deuces. Peace.